The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And good evening and welcome back to Sports Talk WGBB Sports Talk New York on this Sunday, January the 2nd, 2022. Happy New Year to you all. Gary Harding and my guest co-host, Kim Moise, here joining us on the second hour of Sports Talk 1240. John Panarese is off tonight uh, due to personal reasons. And, uh, Kimmy, you made it through one hour. Can you make it through hour two? We- I will try my, my best. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we do have a guest on the air. He is the uh, the beat writer for the New York Islanders for Newsday, and that's Andrew Gross, a frequent contributor to WGBB Sports Talk New York. Andrew, it's Gary and Kim here. Uh, I am guess uh, your family is glad right now that you're going to be home for the next week or so? <laughs> well, I don't know. That means they got to hang around with me. <laughs> Grumpy because I'm not seeing hockey for 12 days. But... I feel that. Hey, we feel, we feel your pain, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to both of you. I, I, I sort of feel like I'm talking to the royalty of Islander fans here. This is oh my quite goodness. an honor for me. So uh, thanks Are for you kidding me? me? <laughs> I'm over here sitting like, I, I told Gary before we did the radio show today, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm like a, I'm a big fan of Andrew Gross over here. I, I listen to the pod. I, I follow his tweets. I l- read his articles in Newsday. I'm like, this is cool. Well, well remember something, okay? Andrew is just, re- Andrew is a reporter. He puts his pants on one leg at a time like all of us do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, and most of the time I just tripped. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a, a different month here. I mean, look, I, from a personal standpoint, am I happy not to have to get in get on a plane right now with with Omicron going nuts and you know every flight being canceled left and right? Yeah, this is. This is a little easier for me and a little less stressful for me not to have to, you know, be on a plane right now. But in terms of what it's doing to the Islanders' season, this is this is really tough. If if they don't reschedule anything in this next, you know, in this next little stretch, they're going to play three games in 25 days, which is, oh. you know, I I don't know how you build any momentum through that, and and it is a shame because the Islanders are starting to play better. Yeah, the answer to that momentum question is you don't. It, they, yeah. We were talking about that, and honestly, the Islanders, I feel like, have had no stretches where they've been able to build momentum. Like, the beginning of the season, they had, we were talking about how they had the, they had to stretch it out to get for the UBS opening, and with all, and then COVID, so that cost us games, and then everything that's happened now with this huge stretch in January, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, you know, it, it, it Hockey becomes, you know, I know it's what we focus on. You know, obviously it's my my job, you know, and, you know, and fans, this is what they, they're into. But in the bigger picture of what's going on in the world, it, it's kind of, you know, it, it, this is not the major concern, obviously. Yeah. But still, uh, it's, you know, and, and now you're hearing stories possibly out of a, uh, you know, Ontario, where they might just have to cancel any public events coming up. Uh, I don't know. You know, that's just a rumor right now. But, you know, the Islanders are supposed to play at the Maple Leafs 
on uh, January 22nd. Uh, I don't know whether that'll happen now. Yeah, it's um, the only the only road game in the month of January. They got ten home games. You know, with the the, the four being canceled this week, eleven ten home yeah. games and one road game, and the one road game is in Toronto. And right, it's who knows what's going on. You know, watching the clips on the NHL Network and watch and seeing. Uh, you know the uh, Scotiabank or whatever they're calling it these days with the uh, with the covers over the seats. It's just it's depressing. Yeah, no, it, it it harkens back to the the playoff bubbles and you know all those games I covered in Nassau Coliseum where there was uh, the only people in the arena besides the, the 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 team's personnel were the three or four of us media members sitting there, um, which was very eerie. Um, and, and also something I'll never forget. It was like they were playing just for me. It, it was very bizarre. But uh, See, you know, we knew, we knew you were special, Andrew. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think Lou Lamarillo sees it that way. <laughs> um, but you know, you're looking at it now. So say they don't play any games until January 13th, and. You know, we all know how faulty my math is, but I, I you know, I, I, I kind of did it twice. I think they would have to play 54 games in 107 days yep. uh, through the end of the NHL regular season on April 29th. And it, it, it seems to me that at some point, if a lot of teams, now obviously the Islanders are, are playing the fewest games so far. I mean, they've only played 27 games, and it's January 2nd, which mm-hmm. is, you know, usually you're in the in mid-30s and you're talking about halfway through the season <clears throat> right, uh, by exactly. now. But if more teams get to this point, the NHL is really going to have to consider going past that April 29th. The AHL has already extended its regular season by six games. Because 54 games in, in 107 days, and, and that's if they can get those in without further postponements. That's yeah. uh, that that's going to be incredibly taxing. You know, you you talk about momentum that the Islanders are, are trying to build here. A schedule like that can knock you down real quickly. So it's just again, it's. You know, there are bigger picture things to worry about, but this this season seems to have worked against the Islanders in every single which way. Yeah, there's been more conspiracy theories talked about than the JFK shooting, you know, with you know <laughs> what this Islander organization has gone through. But but let's just talk about the good things that have been going on. You know, uh, obviously, you know, two good wins against Buffalo and Edmonton. To me, when we and Kimmy and I were talking earlier, to me, I really was impressed with the way, you know, that the Islanders played against Edmonton, not allowing that that lethal power play uh, combination of Dreisaitl and and McDavid to to get any anything going. Um, would you consider this probably one of their their best games they played all year? Yeah, I, I would. I would certainly put it in one of their better games, and, they, and they've had a few here. I mean. I, I I was really impressed with what they did with the Sabers, considering they hadn't played for eleven days. Um, they they came in and they, they they gave a pretty complete effort in that game. And again, you know, I know the Sabers are going through their own issues and haven't been playing well, but they're still an NHL team there. And uh, that I thought that was good. The Oilers game I thought was pretty good. You, you liked what they did against the Bruins. 
Mm-hmm. Um, albeit again, you know, Bruins team that like the Islanders is getting hit hard there. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been a few games here and there where the Islanders have started looking like the Islanders. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought more so, uh, you know, the last two games, they, they've really gotten to their game. And, uh, you know, um, at one point, uh, during, uh, the, the, uh, the, the game the other day against the Oilers, one of the other reporters turned to me and said, you know, this isn't, this isn't necessarily a very interesting game to watch. And I said, yeah, that's sort of how you know that the Islanders are getting back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting back to sort of just controlling the play and, and, and having a, a sound defensive structure and not making too many mistakes, not doing anything spectacular and, and eking out these one goal games. That's what the Islanders do and have done under Barry Trotz. I, I thought it was a very promising sign that that game was kind of a, a ho-hum affair, especially given that the, the, the first period the Oilers had just played against the Devils the day before, you know? Yeah, I think that came a little to our advantage that they had to play the day before and we didn't. But honestly, I was very happy to, you know, and like you said, if we see boring hockey, that means the Islanders are doing their job. Um, I was very happy with their third period. And I don't know what he was talking about. That third period had my heart beating like the whole entire period. But honestly, I was very happy like you, you talked about. And we were talking about it before how the Islanders, I think, I think maybe you tweeted about it, how, like, we're one of the top teams in the league for block shots. And just we were talking about how in regulation we kept the Oilers to only 19 shots. And that, to me, is incredible, especially with their offensive talent. Well, yeah, and, you know, and you you bring up, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, uh, Kim, and, you know, I thought a goal and an assist combined for those two with just four shots and, I thought that was really, really good. Uh, I thought that was really limiting them. And and obviously, as you mentioned, not getting on the power play. The Oilers couldn't get to their game. Yeah. Um, 19 shots. I really liked, you know, when the Islanders are going well, you see this kind of umbrella defensive structure where they're protecting the crease and a lot of shots, almost all the shots come from outside. Yeah. And I, I saw the Islanders getting back to that. Uh, you know, obviously the, the Oilers are going to get their chances. And then when it happened, Scott Mayfield made one of the better defensive yeah. plays Absolutely. you're going to see. Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, getting a stick on that, on that cross ice speed. So I, I, I saw a lot of good stuff and, you know, again, you know, not to, beat a dead horse here, but when they played the Devils on January 13th, how far back to square one do, are, are they going to be? Yeah. Um, you know, how much can they sustain it? They're going to, they're going to practice again on Monday. I, I was, I wasn't sure whether they would get that day off as well. Uh, they didn't practice today, but they're, they're practicing tomorrow and it, it's going to be very interesting to see how the coaching staff structures this week, whether they, where they really work the guys hard or they give them a few days here and there to kind of, you know, keep the group apart, you know, as a protection against Omicron. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, we were talking earlier, and, and actually um, I, I've been saying it for years on this show, and I, I really followed Noah Dobson when he was uh, 
playing his junior hockey up in uh, up in Quebec, and he won those two Memorial Cups. And I kept telling people, I was like, trust me when I tell you this, that kid was a man playing with kids. And I said, it's going to take him a while, but when he gets it, when he finally gets his uh, – his head in the game the right way, the and the NHL game, he's going to blossom. And, and I'll tell you, I over the last ten, maybe fifteen games, there's very few defensemen. And I try to watch as much as many games as I possibly can. There's very few defensemen that I think have done better than Noah Dobson at this point. And I'm not, and maybe I'm a little biased, but I really think not only has he stepped up his game, but I think he's elevated almost exponentially. Yeah, yeah, no, he, I, I agree. Uh, Noah, and it's easy to forget he's only 21, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, see, he's been here for three seasons now, but he's still 21, and, and, and you're talking about defensemen really coming into their prime around 24 or 25. I, I, I know is well ahead of the curve here. Yeah. Um, you know, just think about how long it took, uh, the other members of the Islanders defense corps to develop, uh, the Ryan Pulaks and, Adam Pellix and Scott Mayfield, um, they, they, they spent a lot of time in Bridgeport before getting here. And, and, and Noah was a, uh, he's a kid who, because of the way the rules are, he didn't go to the AHL and the team didn't want him back in juniors. So he had to develop here. And I think Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo deserve all the credit in the yeah. world for not rushing him. Um, and, and to, to allow him to get to this point. And he, look, he, he had some, he had some rough games early this mm-hmm. season where yeah. you were like, wow, you know, what, what's going on here? But then you got to remember he's still 21 and he's now, you know, certainly with Ryan Pulak out, um, still, uh, uh, you know, Adam Pellick is obviously the, the team's best defensive defenseman. But but Noah Dobson is the team's best offensive defenseman for yes. sure, mm-hmm. and he's becoming very very reliable in the defensive end as well. And and more than that, he's he's really understanding how to get free, when to go, when not to go, how to support, and he's looking for a shot, a career high five shots again. I mean that's matching a career high. Mm-hmm. So. I, 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 I've liked a lot of what I've seen and, you know, that, that first overtime winner, um, you know, Josh Bailey made a beeline for the net to make sure Noah got that puck and uh, I think that was meaningful as well. So, uh, you know, and obviously he's a kid that you, you root for, for, from the minute you meet him, uh, just very well spoken, very, uh, you know, courteous, but also, yeah, you know, he's not a, what, what's the retiring wallflower or whatever the cliche is. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows, he knows he's got a lot of talent and he knows what's expected of him and he's never shied away from that. Um, so I, I think that's good. And you know, one other point to that, uh, I, I know how down a lot of Islander fans have been on Dano Chara. Um, I think when you look back at this season, uh, or when you look at back at Noah's career, I think a lot of Islander fans, in retrospect, are going to be like really thankful that Dano Chara was here this season, just for the, the the part he's played in Noah Dobson's development. Because you're looking at a kid who's on a direct trajectory to be a top pair defenseman. He's a, he's in the top four right now. 
Um, and, and he can, he's, he's heading to be a top pair defenseman. And I, I don't think you can, you know, just, uh, uh, put away the work that Dano Char has put into that and, and also Andy Green. Um, I just got to tell you right now, it's, it's, it's a, it's a shame that you're not actually seeing us in studio right now because Kimmy is doing a big happy dance. I think you just became her best friend for life. I, because she's been... She, I have protected Zidane Ultra. I like, yes, he's had his bad couple of games. But I had said his influence on young guys, like Noah, I was saying, his, it's like, you can't, you can't take it away. We were talking about how I feel like these last few games, he's gotten to the flow, the Barry Trotz system flow. I feel like he's finally been able to understand the system and uh, attune to it better. And I feel like he's, he's not only played much better, but I think his influence upon young guys like a Noah Dobson has made its mark. And yeah, so, that's no, why I, I love reading you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 like I said, I mean, it's, I, I think that's exactly what's going on here. Now, you know, as we get towards the trade deadline, who knows what Lou's going to do. I, I would certainly expect him to try and acquire another defenseman here uh, for the playoff push. But, you know, for now, uh, you know, I, I think Dano has, has become a, a, a valuable piece of the puzzle here. Um, sort of like Leo Komarov was. Uh, people never got Leo Komarov. And then I am one of them. Was, yeah, no. <laughs> I know he did a lot but, off the ice than he did on. I know that was a big part of his play. It just it yeah. it hurts when you look at a guy like Wallstrom who was sitting during the playoffs. Yeah. No. I. I <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, because the, you know the, the 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 reaction is the Islanders aren't scoring. Oliver Wallstrom. All Oliver Wallstrom can score. Put him with Matthew Barzell, see what happens, or, or put Palmieri with with Barzell, see what happens. Why is Leo Komarov there? But you know, again, I've 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 sort of pulled back from questioning. I I, I sort of trust coaches to have a much better feel mm-hmm. for what's going on than I do, either as a sports writer. Or as a fan, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. depending on which team I'm watching at. Trust and trust. All these coaches, you know, other than Adam Gase, I think I've trusted pretty much every coach in my team or for any one of my teams to kind of do the right thing eventually. Okay. Um, and and I, I think Barry Trotz is at the, the head of the list of, you know, he understands his team. That's why he's a Hall of Fame coach. He gets it. He sees things. You know, he sees things that all of us are not seeing. Plus, he's in the room. And look, at one point, I was in the room, and I, and and I could, you know, piece together the uh, the personal interactions a lot better than I can now um, because of the COVID pandemic. You know, I'm not in the Islanders' room anymore. Uh, I, I'm greatly separated from interacting with these players. So I, I know even less about, you know, what makes this team tick than I did before. So I, I, I do trust Barry Trotz to, to, to make the right calls here. Yeah. No, I you know what? That's a great point of view. I like that I definitely like that point of view, you know, just you know, trust in your coach and he knows his players. Obviously he's talking with them, he he practices with them, he knows how they play. And you know what, just for funsies, Andrew, uh 
So, like, obviously, you're talking about interviewing the guys, and, you know, it's been tough, you know. I, I know you've been doing, like, from-home interviews, all the COVID situation. Did you get a new mic? <laughs> Sadly, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, in, yeah, your no. poor mic situation. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny. No, I still have the same laptop. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, uh, early in the season, um, when we were able to go into the interview room, the, the interviews were still over Zoom, but if you were traveling with the team, this was, you know, the, the COVID outbreak happened as soon as they got off that 13-game road trip. But it was nice for the, the those first 13 games on the road, we were allowed to be in the interview room. So there was yeah. some personal interaction with the, uh, with the players. And at one point, uh, I, I forget who it was. Someone with the Islanders made some kind of comment that, oh, now, you know, Andrew, your voice isn't going to be distorted or, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I looked, I was like, is it really always me? And Anthony Beauvillier was, was, in I the made room. a, I made a compilation of it because <laughs> the faces the players made were priceless. Yeah, well, Bo, Bo looked at me and he was like, dude, it is always you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, Kimmy, that's... Kim, Kim, you gotta send that to me. I uh, will, I definitely will DM you that. <laughs> but, but actually just going into that, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the, the connections aren't the same. And I, you know, I covered, I, I covered home games for a couple of years a long time back and I, I, I treasure that. I, I mean, how, how difficult is that for a writer? I mean, you always write great material. There's nothing, nobody's ever going to question that, but it, it must be tough sometimes when you only really can get to talk to, you know, maybe two or, you know, two players, you know, come, then another two players come, then the coach comes. You know, when you were in that yeah. locker room, when you were in that locker room, you were able to get to everybody and, you know, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the, the top scorer or the, the producer. It might have been somebody that did something, you know, in the middle of the game, you know, a small little thing, but you got, you got that, that time with them. That makes, that's got to make it tough for you to write that story. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you lose those personal interactions. Like one of my favorite things in the Islanders room and, you know, half the time he's not playing, but I like hanging out at Ross Johnson's locker stall. He's a, <laughs> oh, my he's friend a really Stephanie good dude loves him. To. Mm-hmm. My yeah, friend Stephanie, I mean, because we met him on the train, and I can back you up there meeting him. He is the sweetest guy ever. Yeah, no, he's he's great to talk to. You know, you and and a lot of the stuff you you talk about in the in the dressing room with the guys. I mean, half of it, the stuff is you know non hockey related. Yep. Sometimes it's off the record. You're just you know you're you're talking person to person, and, and on Zoom it's. You know, uh, you you don't get in all the questions you want to ask, and yeah. there are some questions that you know you can ask on Zoom because you're not one to one. It's a, you know, look, the Islanders take those Zoom conferences and they get them up on Twitter before I can get a story out. Yeah. So you know, what is my motivation for asking? You know, quote unquote, super great you know, insightful questions if, you know, I'm basically doing everyone else's work for them, right? Yeah. You know? Because so. any other writer can take your questions because they, yeah, they hear exactly. it first. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, 
again, I don't want to frame this as whining in any way, because like I said, the, the pandemic has made us all readjust what we consider real problems. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy that I still get to go to hockey games. Yep. And, uh, you know, Newsday still has me on the road, mm-hmm. and I'm still doing what I love. And is it an inconvenience doing Zooms? Yeah. I mean, it's it's an inconvenience for the Islanders' PR staff, too, because they have to arrange all this. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's a it, thankless it's job. It's easier for them yeah. to just open the door to the dressing room, let us in for 10 minutes, yep. let us do our job, and then close the door. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Kimber and Kimber and Jesse and those guys, I, I know, you know, when I dealt with them for, for the while that I did, they, they, it's a thankless job for those guys, and they really they really bust their butts, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I have all the respect. In the oh, no, I, no doubt you do. For, for, no all, doubt you for do. Kimber, for Jesse, for, you know, for everyone in the Islanders organization for working you know, with us to, to, to get through this, you know, and, and we have to work with them. So, you know, I, I hate using this phrase because it's the most infuriating phrase in the world, but it, this really is a case of it is what it is. Yeah. And you, you just, you, you just have to do your job uh, around what's going on. And, you know, I, I, I sort of feel like, you know, it's become, and it's probably a good thing. I'm I'm relying less on quotes and just trying to analyze stuff. Right. More yeah. Now. And Bo, you, you know, know a couple times last night. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you want like a motivation, like from a fan aspect, so like when we look to writers like you guys, and you know, I have you on notifications. You fill me in on everything. Like we talk about notifications, even like with the videos coming out before your articles. Like your questions help a fan like me understand and appreciate, you know, what the what's going through the player's mind. What are they thinking if they're going through this play that I saw as just a regular fan? Like we really appreciate the media's questions to the players, so we can just have that more insight into our own into our own team. And then I like to look at the article after, and you know, you ask that que- why did you ask that question? What was your analysis of the answer? And so, if like, just if you're looking for that motivation, like, it's really appreciated from a fan. And uh, yeah, we'll no, get your we'll get your Venmo account after uh, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's it, it, it's funny um, because they they do air all these you know zooms on the post game show. Yes, so, they do. Uh, my, my daughter, who's who's 21, um, and she's she pointed out to me the other day, she's the same age as Noah Dobson. And Oliver Wallstrom, hint, hint, hint. And, I said, <laughs> and, and, and Kimmy, and Kimmy. I'm 22. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're right. You're 22. Sorry. I'm a little too old for them. <laughs> but, but she, uh, she started. She's, you know, she's watching the the games now from home, and she's watching the post games. So I'm I'm at UBS. I, I think this was uh, the Sabers game, right? Um, because her boyfriend goes to Buffalo, so they're they're in, they're interested in the. Uh, in the Sabers, so I'm 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 doing my interviews on Zoom, and I'm trying to write my story, and I get this text from my, from my daughter. He goes, "Oh my God, that was you on the post game." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, yeah, yeah, it's good to be noticed. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? One one other point I had about not being in the room is you, you also sort of have to check yourself. As a writer, because one of, you know, one of the big checks and balances is, you know, if you criticize players, you know, it's, 
your responsibility to show up the next day. You know, if you write something truly, you know, harsh about a player, um, you have to be there the next day, you know, when the, the story's in the paper to go into the dressing room and, you know, you know half the time that the player's going to confront you about it. And it's your response, just like those players should be at their locker stalls after a bad game or, you know, after they make a mistake. And I'm not saying, you know, writers are making mistakes when they write harsh columns, but it's your responsibility as a sports writer to show up in the dressing room and let the players have their say to you the next day. Yep. And That's for sure. now it is very easy to, you know, to take a lot of pot shots because you know you're not facing these guys at all, right? Yep, um, for sure. So I, I think as a sports writer, you really have to check yourself, you know, um, that it, it, you, you can't take the easy way out uh, and just, you know, if there's criticism to be had, you know, put it out there. But it, it sort of made me think twice when, when, when you sort of really go all out criticizing someone because – they really don't have the avenue anymore to, you know, discuss it out with you the next day. And and usually I, I've found with players, even when you write something, you know, criticizing their play, you talk it out the next day, you tell them what you're seeing, they'll tell you what they're seeing, and, you know, not that you hug it out, but, you know, you come <laughs> to an understanding. A and, little and kumbaya. I've had, those, I, I've had those moments. You know, with coaches, you know, John Hines, who I consider one of the best people on the planet and, you know, and a good friend. And when he was covering the, uh, the devils, he didn't like some of the stuff I wrote. And the next day he, you know, he grabbed me aside in a, in a hallway and he said his piece and I said my piece and, and we moved on from there. And, and right. you don't get that anymore. And, and that can be an issue. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, listen, Andrew, we got to let you go. We really appreciate it. And again, you got, you know, you know, you have two fans here with, uh, Kimmy and I. And, uh, well, enjoy your time uh, off. It, it goes back the other way as well. I, I really, you know, you, you guys represent the, 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 the tight knit Islanders community so well. And it's just, you know, it's a privilege to, you know, to, to be a part of that. And I think you guys wave the flag as good as anyone. Well, we really appreciate that, Thank Andrew. You. And uh, enjoy your time off, and we'll uh, definitely catch you uh, next week when the Isles get back to action. Sounds good. And uh, best to everyone's family. Happy New Year, and uh, have a healthy New Year. Yep, and happy 22 to you too, sir. Thank you Thank again. Thank you. Happy New Year, Andrew. All right. That was okay. <laughs> All right, that was Andrew Gross of Newsday. We're going to take a break, come back. Uh, we'll take your calls again. 516-623-1240 is the number. WGBB Sports Talk, Gary and Kim, we're coming back. to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. 
You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Okay, and we are back on WGBB Sports Talk again. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, Twitter, Instagram, WGBB Sports Talk, WGBB Sports Talk.com uh, is our website. Um, the podcasts for the show, which are available anywhere you can get your podcasts. Um, the first hour show will be available tomorrow morning. Tuesday morning will be the second hour. Again, you want to call us on the show, 516-623-1240 is the number. Um, so far, uh, so it looks like um, the only game tomorrow is Edmonton at the Rangers. Yep. Uh, Carolina, Toronto, Minnesota, Ottawa have both been postponed. Um, it's just getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Yeah, like you are talking about, like Andrew was talking about how to fit all these games in the, the time that we have, and it's not going to happen. They're going to have to prolong this season. Like it's going to have to bleed over this. Well, the you know, AHL has already done that. Yeah, and... it's gonna it's gonna follow suit with the NHL. Like physically, you cannot put these players through a, a schedule that's going to be like back to back break, back to back break. It's not it's not physically possible. Yeah, I mean, some teams have been lucky. Like the Washingtons and others that I, really haven't had any any time off. He was right. Or though, missing one or two games. We are the lowest games played team, uh, tied with Boston, Boston and the Avalanche. Right. And it's it's like it's it's not fair to our, our three teams to have this happen. No, no. And you, again, you know, we we've been saying it all all show long. Momentum is a, is a big thing, a factor in sports, no matter what. And you know, it's tough. <coughs> excuse me for a team to go. You know, basically two games in 20-plus days. You know, how do you keep the guys motivated? You can practice them all you want. You can simulate games all you want. But, you know, it's not the same, you know, without fans in the stands or or playing with a purpose. Yeah. That it's a and you, you talk you hear like the players and even like Barry Trust talking all the time. You can hear the guys, you know, you can hear the fans down the hallway and things like that. It gets you pumped, it gets you ready, you know. And sadly, Canada is just not having that. Yeah, and that's that's for sure. So again, looking at the standings right now, um, Kimmy's second favorite team, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind, kind of. of. Yeah. Well, um, my boy is out though. So yeah, Robin's out. Um, you know, Brassad's played his fourth straight game. They had an overtime loss tonight. Uh, their first one of the season, actually. Matter of fact. Wow. Um, they were down four to two with four minutes left. Scored one. With four minutes and then scored another one, I think, with nine seconds left in, in regulation to force overtime. And, uh, you know, lost to the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, looking at the standings, I mean, you know, especially the Western Conference and the Blues on the – the Blues have uh, all of a sudden kicked up another gear. And 7-1-2 um, and two in their last ten games, they were they got a one-point lead over Nashville and three-point lead over, over Minnesota in the Central. It's going to be a very tight race. Um, Colorado right now, as you said, sitting in the fourth position, but they are five games in hand on both St. Louis and Nashville and five points behind, so I don't, I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue. But, again, to me, the surprise of the NHL so far has been the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I just did not expect this team to um, do the things they do. Uh, you know, Trevor Zegers has had a great season. Mm. Um, they're getting good goal goaltending from John Gibson. Getzloff seems to have the fountain of youth. Um, of course, they had that that incredible goal 
um, where it, against Buffalo, where they flipped it over the goaltender and Milano caught it in midair. Oh, that was so cool! That was that was incredible. <laughs> the picture is the best part of it, I think. Just the hands on the top of the head going, "It worked." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you see it? And the coolest part about it too was not even just the goal itself, but afterwards seeing it from little kids trying to do it to professional. Uh, even like AHLers to you know other leagues, even like I said, I think I saw KHL players trying to do well, it. That was the first time that they, the, the lacrosse goal went with uh, Svechnikov in Carolina, and then everybody yeah. started to do it there. You know, you see, it's so fun. Yeah, you, it's, it's great seeing the little eight-year-old kids saying, "I could, I could do that." <laughs> <laughs> Not seeing how hard it was. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you saw the interview, but he just apparently he just yelled Michigan. Yeah, and so that's why he flipped it. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But. You know, as we said, you know, 516-623-1240 is the number to give us a call. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're getting a call from my buddy in Pennsylvania, who always calls the show, Paul. Uh, Paul, if you're out there, you know what, you know what to do. But, um, let's, again, let's, you know, we talk, you know, people that know Kimmy, you know, know her story, but, you know, maybe, um, especially to some of the people that listen to Sports Talk 1240 that don't know your story. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Robin Leonard, and we all know, you know, of Robin's story, you know, coming here to Long Island after all his struggles coming back and forth. And, you know, he play, he's played not only a role in a lot of people's lives, but especially yours. And for the people that, that don't know your story, how about just give us a little bit of a... Yeah, a, to put it quickly, uh, three years ago uh, during college, uh, went through a bunch of episodes and ended up being diagnosed with epilepsy. And it's actually progressed even worse since then. Uh, but, uh, it was, you know, a late and light diagnosis, just like Leonard, and it, it took its toll on me, especially as a nursing student, um, wondering how am I gonna take care of other people when I can't even take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I wasn't even able to recognize this within myself. Uh, rereading his article, he gave me so much inspiration and passion, kind of the corny, if he can do it, I can do it, say. And, you know, a year later, uh, when he went to Chicago, I flew out to go see him because I loved him that much. Um, he saw me in the stands. And he asked me to come down after the game, and I got to meet him personally. And he just, you know, took my shoulders and told me, you know, just the most inspiring words of my life. And I followed him ever since. And he's been such an advocate for mental health and just, you know, justice and righteousness for all players. And it was such a great testament. You know, to the Islander faithful, when you know Vegas came into town a few weeks back, that you know they let him know how much you know he means to the Long Island community. And again, you know, you see, you know, you see the tattoo of Long Island, you know, on his neck, and he pointed to it. You know, he saying, said you know, on Barstool, he's like, "There's a reason there's no other teams tattooed on me." He he said, and if uh, Islanders faithful who don't know about this, um, when he was on Barstool and he did his interview, he said that the Islanders fans, honestly, the community, the fandom the way that they cheered for him and were supported him, that they saved his life, and they renewed his love in hockey. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I threatened. I, uh, <laughs> I, put, I put it out there. And uh, Paul from Pennsylvania, what's up, dude? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. But I, I got to address one thing, actually two things here. It's oh, like a God. part A, part B. Oh, God. Right. Islanders royalty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't... You're like that. 
I don't care. You myself. like the East Coast Hockey League version to like Howie Rose, like oh, you know, hell no. a former <laughs> former Rangers fan, and then we get the other one who's been like dating a Rangers fan for like what seven years now. Six, God, yeah. it's like they don't even know you two. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, guys! Happy New Year! Oh, you've been waiting all day to do that, haven't you? <laughs> No, no, Andrew just set me off. <laughs> Islanders royalties? Come on! Oh, good Lord. No, seriously, Happy New Year. Yeah, right back at you, my friend. So, uh... <laughs> click. Click. <laughs> well, we could have had Brian do that, but nah, it wouldn't be, I think, that wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be right. There you go. Yeah, so, uh, so just give me, give me your thoughts, because you always, again, Paul, for those who don't know, Paul does... Al's talk. We do a little Facebook uh, live together a couple of times, and Paul's got a very—I will—and I'm not saying this to butter him up because I really don't have to. But Paul's got a good no. Paul's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's got a, a, a common sense, you know, uh, th- thoughts on the team. So I really respect his opinion, and the check is in the mail. But go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it was sent out already. Oh, good boy. Uh, no, it's it, it's the kids. The kids are finally stepping up. I mean, Wallstrom, Wallstrom has stepped up already. Uh, you know, he's not on the line with Matt Barzell for two reasons. One, Matt Barzell still wants Josh Bailey on his line because he's always loved playing with Josh. And two, you know, Wally's still learning uh, the two-way game. It's just a maturation process. It's like what Noah Dobson's been going through. You know, Noah Dobson under no pressure has been on, you know, he plays whenever he plays and when he gets those aha moments, he flourishes. And I think that's what we're going to see at some point from Wallstrom because we know he can score. But, man, when he starts playing a, a better overall two-way game, we're, every Islander fan is going to be in awe. Mm. And it, it's just a maturation process for Wallstrom, and he's doing well where he is right now. So why why ruin it? So, you know, it's like I said before, on I think on my show or your show, Gary, Lou and Barry's patience will kill every Islander fan at some point. But it's just a maturation process. I love what we're seeing out of Kiefer Bellows. Um, the kids have confidence. Run with the kids for a little while. Why not? And you know, it's funny. We, we both of us, when we did our preview shows and stuff like that, we, we were the ones that were saying, you know what, maybe, maybe Wallstrom should not start the year up here. Remember we said that? Yeah, and I I will still stick to that because remember what Trotz wanted wanted him to do and and Lou it's the two way game. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that two way game in the beginning of the season. No, he didn't. He was starting to show signs, but where would where would he rather be at this point? You know, you you you, you want to keep him on the team, and it's the same reason why Simon Holstrom got called up. It's the same reason Robin Salah got called up. These guys are now watching what it takes to be a professional, but what Bellows and Wallstrom and Dobson have been doing is that they're learning from the pros right now on how to play the two-way game. And now when they all, all three of them, when they get those aha moments, then it's going to be a trickle down to guys like Holmstrom and Sallow and whoever else comes up. It's one giant trickle effect, and that's why you have a brotherhood on this team right now. Still, still have this brotherhood on the team. Yep. I think it's also kind of been uh, 
it's kind of have been a faster process and you're talking about maturation like I think it's been a faster process especially for like Dobson and these young guys because they've had to step up they've had to have more courage on the puck because you know we have we had a lot of the team out so they've had to come out and you know I think they they were like you know what like these guys are out I'm not the you know the youngest kid on this team anymore I'm not the newest kid I got to step up as a player and show that what I can do and I think they finally come into that a little bit with the, just the situation they've been in God is she good or what Paul That is that she just described my aha moment Paula comes out Dobson steps in thank you Zidane Chara. thank you Andy Green like um Andy had said before in his segment they're just slowly bringing the kids along and when their aha moments happen, then their confidence goes up. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing out of out of no adoption. And again, checks in the mail. Gary was spot on with no adoption because I remember, you know, Gary and I on the phone. Dobson is a man amongst boys in in the queue, which is absolutely correct. But now Dobson is a man in the men's league. Exactly. That's the aha moment for him. He's not a boy. And he's now a boy he's starting to realize. Now he's starting to realize that, oh, yeah, not only can I play, I'm going to rock this league. He's almost at that point. And it's, it's exciting to watch. You know, and it's amazing when, you know, when this team, especially the defensive core, and, and you see it, you saw it with Dobson, you know, during the last seven or eight games. You see it sometimes with Mayfield, although he unfortunately fell short a few, but he's, but he's picked it back up. When when the defense skates, this team plays well, mm-hmm. and that's such a it's such a cliche and a simple statement, but it makes so much sense. You look at you look at a lot of the goals that we've scored in the past two weeks, and it's been because the defense is rushing up. You know, Andy Green's rushing up to get a get a play started. You know, Noah Noah's doing it. You know, uh, Pellick's doing it. You know, when when these you know it's and it's it seems such a simple thing to say. You know, come on guys, skate it up. You know, and we're screaming in the stands, skate it up, skate it up, skate it up. And even even when Claire does it, <laughs> even when Claire's saying it, I know that it, that's it, that it's that's you know, noticeable to a lot of people. But when they do when they do, you know, their their goal production can can significantly increase. I think over part the next of that weeks. though is that they've the offense itself has had such problem with zone entry. They are so bad at, I feel like, honestly, just crossing that blue line. So when the def- defense just comes up and crosses it, like a Nick Letty used to do all the time, he used to bring it all the way in and just get us set up, that's what we've just been lacking a little bit that ha- the defense helps out. In. And I think at some point you're going to see Noah Dobson do it more often, but then the next player to watch is probably going to be Robin Sallow. That's going to be Robin Sallow's aha moment where – you're going to see him cross the blue line, and then you're probably going to see him make a dipsy-doodle move or a nice little pass to someone else. It's getting that confidence to go through the mm-hmm. opposite team's defensive zone. And, again, that's just a maturation process coming up for Sallow. But when he can do it, when he feels like he's no adoption, a man in a man's league, look out, because I still feel Sallow and Dobson will be number three and number four next year behind Pollock and Pollock. Yeah, and I, and I really think that Robin Sallow has not, you know, I usually make I say the statement, not embarrassed himself. I think he's played very well, mm-hmm. um, consistent, like you said. You know, 
every with every game, I think he's picking up a little bit more. Exactly. And you know, and as you said, you know, and as you know, we'll just have to keep using that expression. It's the Paul Kreischer aha moment. <laughs> oh, here we go. But with, <laughs> but with Solo, like he's, it's you know, he hasn't had the three years like Noah Dobson's had. Like Noah Dobson, he knows the game. He knows like the the. the no, he's stuff. learning. He's learning the North American exactly. game because he can't. He, he hasn't come over yet. You know, he, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, no adoption, like, I'm, you're kind of expecting him to step up like that. While Solo, you know, you understand, I understand, like, obviously, I think, like you said, he's just played well, you know, for, like, um, what he's done, but his potential, like, what we were seeing in the AHL, the goals he was scoring, like, that's that, that I just feel like is just give him more time, and he will eventually reach that. And that's what I'm excited for with Salo is that when he gains enough confidence, enough uh, when he gets comfortable enough understanding like uh, the team and the NHL in general and how he has to play, I think he will eventually hit that point where he starts rocketing in goals left and right. And there's no pressure on Salo. No, absolutely no. none. None. It's play your game and learn. Yep. That's it. And Islander fans should not put any pressure on Salo at all this year. Oh, I have just not. like you don't put any pressure on Dobson his first two years. It, it, this is just for Dobson. He took his opportunity and he's running with it. Not ran. He's running with it right now with Pollock being out. It finally all came together. Robin Salo will have his moment. We just have to find out when the Islanders are playing next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Small though. Small little problem. I joked with Gary yeah. that our next game will shall be in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm so funny. <laughs> I know. Well, you are dating a Rangers fan, so that is a little bit of humor. There. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I always get ready for it. I love you, Kim. <laughs> but no, I don't. When Paul finds out something, he never lets you forget. Yeah, but no, yeah, he's I know a good man, so. and he's a good hockey fan. Yeah, I know. He is, I give him that. Good thing. <laughs> See what I mean? Highlanders mm-hmm. royalty. <laughs> uh, so, so what? So what else what, would you guys like to know? So I was just to say, what else is on your mind? You, you know, uh, again, you well, can talk. You how about this? I mean, Paul always talks about the prospects and what's going on. Have you heard anything? Obviously, Aturati, you know, would have made the uh, junior team, but his team went on COVID right, problems. Yeah, no, let's, let, let, let's let's talk a little <laughs> NHL. Um, again, for those who don't know, Gary and I don't talk before the show. We do that on purpose. Um, I have heard confirmed whispers. Let's put it that way. Confirmed whispers of the possibility of the six Canadian teams coming down to the U.S. if Canada decides to close the borders. I have heard that. So, yeah. So, for example, uh, Vancouver to Seattle, I would imagine Edmonton and Calgary would go to teams like Anaheim and San Jose to stay in their division, to cut down on the travel, so on and so forth. Um, Toronto would probably have their choice of either Detroit or Buffalo. I would say Buffalo probably. Uh, Ottawa would take the other one. Um, To be honest with you, Montreal might go to either... Boston or New Jersey or something else like that. And Winnipeg would Possibly probably go to Minnesota. New Jersey. Winnipeg would go to Minnesota, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also confirmed whispers uh, that if it's an absolute last resort, uh, that each division will have two bubble um, arenas. Oh. 
that's yeah, that's sucks. each division. Each division. I mean, I know it's only whispers, two. but please, God, no. Yes. I, it, unfortunately, now we 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 have a TV contract with ESPN, so I I think at this point, when uh, when um, Daly says the NHL will finish the season, I believe him, mm-hmm. and it's just how are they going to finish the season? Yeah, um, those are no again those are just season. confirmed whispers. Yeah, Paul's good at, Paul's good at whispers. But honestly, like, I don't see them canceling the season. It just would, it, like, how would next season go? Would you keep the, you know, what would you do with, to, would you, like, try and finish the season? Because what happens is, like, if it, let's, let's say the Islanders were in, like, first place or something and they canceled the season, it's like, well, we, you know, we, we were on top of the league, we were killing it, we were doing all this work, and now it's just like it didn't even matter. And it also affects the draft. Absolutely. It's, I think ridiculous. the only, I, I, I think they would go back to the original bubble format. I don't think Ottawa, Montreal, Arizona, or throwing a fourth team at some point would be in the playoffs. I think they'd just send them home, and we'd be right back to square one with that kind of a bubble tournament if we were to do that again, which I don't think so uh, because the players, I don't think, really want to do that Oh, again. the players hated but, the bubble. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Yeah. I do not blame them. Except yeah. for the ping pong tournament. Yeah. They didn't <laughs> Apparently the Islanders, though, had fun. Yeah, but to Kimmy's point, both the NHL and the NHL Players Association do not want to cancel this season. No. There is some some mutual agreement, but the players were promised three weeks off this year. So that could still have an effect heading into January now, maybe a little bit of February. They're taking that Olympic break now, and they're doing postponed games. Do you think right. maybe um, they extend it? They extend the end to say the second week of May. I I could definitely. Hey, we we had a bubble in the middle of July. At this point, anything's possible. I I could definitely see. I say why not? I could definitely see playoffs going into the beginning of May. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I I just I say why not to that, and especially like it's got to be you got to think about your players too, and it's that's just the problem when you're thinking about season and corporate and all this. You forget that your players are human beings, yep, and you can't put them through hell. Well, listen, Paul, we got to let you go. I want to end the show, so uh, tell me, tell everybody in the audience how they can get in touch with you and all the stuff that you do, please. Uh, P underscore Kreischer on Twitter. Follow Isles Talk on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe there. And next week, I am going to have Nicole Sherman on the show. She follows the prospects as much as I do. So we're going to be talking Islander prospects starting next uh, next Monday. I don't know if I'm going to do a show tomorrow. I may may not. That's up in the air. But Nicole Sherman's going to be my guest uh, next Monday. We're going to be talking prospects. Not shocked. I'm available if you want, seriously. Okay, fine. But, you know, but I am royalty, so I don't know if I can be there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to throw up now. Uh, All right, Paul. Love you, man. It's going to be a great show with you, Nicole. Have, have a great day. Happy New Year. Bye. All right, Kimmy, you made it. Well done. I really appreciate this. You know, I mean, Again, like I said, you know, our families have a relationship. She's family to me. It's not just, you know, my responsibility of putting her on the air, but I... I, I, I <laughs> I love her very much, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank and, you. Uh, you know. Honestly, thank you. I mean, I got to do the time on here, and I'm always appreciative of that. And, and again, uh, for those who don't follow her, and again, you should, 
Here's your plug. Go for it. All right, my plug, I mean, you can find me. I'm always on Twitter at IslesGirl3. I got the YouTube. I do my own podcast, which is usually Sunday nights, but obviously had to come from my boy Gary over here. But you can find me on YouTube at IslesGirl3. I do vlog videos of my experiences going to other arenas, as well as just talking Islanders hockey on there. So you can join me on there, and you can uh, click the link in the description on my latest video for my Discord there, too. Yep. Well, again, we want to thank... um we want to thank Andrew Gross of Newsday for joining us. We want to thank uh, our callers. And, again, uh, thank you, Brian Graves, behind the glass. We appreciate you, as always. He rocks. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, our next show we can talk a little hockey. John will be back. And, uh, you know, Kimmy will always can call in before she does her, her thing. But, uh, again, thank you for joining us here on WGBB Sports Talk. In the words of the, uh, the late Islander Booster member Bill Hayes, Keep skating, everybody, and thank you on WGB 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Have a happy and healthy and safe New Year. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.